0: Come. Oh, it's calm and always right When well, I feel your face Like I already mentioned, on Friday evening we had an exciting art exhibition in our church. They moved all the chairs out, and there was art put down the middle and along the sides, and it was just amazing, just amazing. And as I figured it, counted it, was ten artists who paint in one way or another, two artists with cameras, and uh, four writers, pretty well covers it, I think, anyway, It made me think about what it means to create or be creative. When we create, we reflect God, our creator, the great creator. It's one of the evidences that we're made in his image. And one of the things that always stands out when something is created like that is variety, and there certainly is variety of some of the pictures that have been hung since uh, Friday. Variety in all the ones that we saw. And variety in creation. One of the examples, I'm just going to show you an example of variety, is this uh, one here that's not quite finished. This is uh, done by Gail Nisiak, which who was sitting beside me. And uh, it's part of her, she's not from our church, but she's a mentor to uh, Sandra Tomchuk and has known Sandra since she was a little girl. So that's really cool, that's really neat. And uh, she, it's part of her collection that she calls Redeemed Works of Art. She words it like this, it's saved from destruction, and clad in a new robe to be valued and appreciated. This isn't quite finished. Pretty close. And I'm going to talk about it a little bit later. So I'm just going to leave it there for you to watch and look at while I'm uh, sharing on. Now, when I say that God, the creator, has an ongoing art exhibition, what do you think of first? Anybody? Nature. Say it loud. Nature. Pardon me? Nature. Nature. That covers a lot, but you can narrow it down. Our children. Our children. Anyone else? We're all God's work. We're all God's work. You're getting ahead of us. <laughs> You'll see in a minute. <laughs> uh, I just got back from the, our Strom family reunion, which we have every three years in Alberta, and. Uh, I have a cousin who's been an electrician in Banff for many years. My daughter and her two kids and I stayed there on our way back to break the trip up. And he showed us around. He took a, quite a bit of time to show us around. Now, we live in a beautiful place. And Corrine, our daughter, lives in Abbotsford. We're, we're all part of this lower main, mainland, and it's beautiful. But Banff, the mountains of Banff, the Rocky Mountains, exhibit another whole set of beauty and and Korean couldn't stop taking pictures. She just was snapping them all over the place. It's all part of the variety of what we see from the creative activity of God. Now, God has another art exhibition that most people don't think about, and that art exhibition is also displayed in the church, coincidentally, whichever way you take that. Um... But in this case, it's the individuals who are members of his church who are the exhibits, which is what uh, Karen just pointed out and got ahead of me. That's good. Because that's you and you and you and you and me. Now, some of you may be looking at yourselves and shaking your head and saying, "Uh, I don't know about that. Let me share one of the most encouraging verses in the Bible. Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which which God prepared in advance for us to do. A really good translation of this is, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do God's good works, Let's pray. Father, you tell us that we are your workmanship. Help us to believe you. You not only are preparing us for a wonderful place in heaven, you are creating something special in us right now. And furthermore, you have prepared and planned specific good works, life for each of us to carry out in your name. May we find fulfillment and joy in reflecting your love and your creativity by doing these. In Jesus' name, amen. Steve last week started a series that he's called Radical Discipleship. And uh, the passage that I've I'm sharing today really is on that subject. In fact, he asked me to do it, so I was so glad because it just fit in perfectly for some of the things that I was thinking about and uh, the art exhibition that we had this past week. What I'd like to share with you centers around two powerful truths that really fairly pop out of this verse. God has given the simple But important truths to focus us on his reality on reality as as he's designed it and if we believe them if we believe these two truths and apply them to our lives they're life-changing they're intended to be life-changing the first truth is you are an object of value No matter what your experience has been up till now, no matter how you have been raised, no matter what you have come to think about yourself, you have great value. How do I know? God says so, and he made you. And it says, for we are God's workmanship. And like someone has said, I don't remember who I'm quoting, God don't make no junk, he makes masterpieces. So if we who are mere humans have the ability to create masterpieces Or if we feel we can't create masterpieces we can enjoy them and appreciate them and recognize them Can we trust God with what he insists is his masterpiece? That's me. That's you I've talked to a lot of people over the years who are very unhappy with who they are And where they've come from and their start Now, I have a feeling that most people, even Christians, struggle with this from time to time. So let's talk about what we are, at least the things we know about, and what we, in turn, pass on to the next generation. God's workmanship started with creation, of course, and his original design for people. He designed people to reflect his image. And to procreate and pass on the characteristics from uh, that they were given from one generation to the next right So let let's look at this a little more closely from a biological point of view each of us is a combination of our parents genes That includes hair color eye color body build a whole lot of things. We probably don't even know about in fact they tell us that each of our bodies is comprised of about a hundred billion cells And every cell in my body and every cell in your body carries the same genetic code that's unique to you and unique to me. So a pathologist can take a cell from anywhere in our body and see if that belongs to you or not. Isn't that amazing? And you got some of it from each parent. That's a given you have no control over that. I have no control over that. That's how God designed it What gets passed on includes genetic strengths and genetic weaknesses Whether your strengths are musical or athletic or artistic or whether you're prone to physical disabilities or plagued by emotional or mental issues like we say what is is what is for you and me but listen carefully. The what is, is what God works with. From a physical point of view, we're also a product of our parents' habits and uh, attitudes. You know, parents don't just pass on their genes, they pass down the results of their choices in life. Friends of ours adopted a baby a number of years ago. They couldn't figure out why he responded the way he did. He was finally diagnosed, he had FAS. Fetal alcohol syndrome. It wasn't his fault. His mother was an alcoholic, and she gave him a terrible start. A lot of you know about that. Some of you have had that kind of a start in your life. When he became a teenager, he absolutely put his family through the the emotional ringer, and it's affected him all his life. It wasn't his fault. That was his start. Some babies are born with diseases from their mother such as AIDS or some other sexually transmitted transmitted disease. It's terrible. Gives them a terrible start. Gives them a lot of disadvantages through their life. Not their fault. But they and everyone else around them suffers. And from a social and psychological point of view, we're affected by our upbringing. That includes our training or lack of it. It includes our education and uh, discipline or lack of it. Whether we experience neglect or abuse Or love or acceptance makes a big difference in our lives And that's just talking about our parents the social and psychological contribution that they make But we're also affected by the way our friends our relatives even our teachers treat us That all goes together to making me who I am and you who you are BECAUSE OF THE CONTRIBUTION OF THESE FACTORS AND MANY MORE, NO TWO PEOPLE ARE ALIKE. AND NO TWO PEOPLE ARE EQUAL. in abilities, RESPONSES, OPPORTUNITIES. AND GOD SAYS THAT NO MATTER HOW YOU OR I MAY HAVE BEEN KICKED AROUND IN OUR PAST, OR HOW WE KICK OURSELVES AROUND, YOU ARE AN OBJECT OF VALUE. THE RAW MATERIALS? Which is makes up you or me, living in a sin-cursed world. God says is worth working with. Now, I could ask you, and I will: Do you believe that? Now, in your heart, um, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Repeat that after me. See how easy it is to say, "I'm going uh, I am God's workmanship. Say it. I am God's workmanship. Therefore, I am an object of value. Is it hard to say? <coughs> I'm sure it was for some of you, because of the struggles that you have. But that's what God's word says, and of course, that's only part of the story. There's another life-changing truth that comes out of this verse as well. Things are not hopeless for you or me. I am not locked into what I've been given. The second life-changing truth is you are a work in process. I am a work in process. What God says to us is so clear and so direct, we can't miss it. We are God's workmanship. The greek word used here is sometimes used in a sense of work of art One commentator suggested that craftsmanship would be a good word to uh, Translate it. I like what my new living Bible Says it says masterpiece. I love that We are God's masterpiece So what goes into making a masterpiece? like the masterpieces that we were treated to on Friday well, you have to start with raw materials, of course. Got to do it out of something. So it might be a canvas or fabric or paper or cardboard or musical notes or sounds or words because we talked about a number of kinds of masterpieces on Friday. None of the raw materials, none of the building blocks are effective by themselves. Making them to a masterpiece takes planning, effort, ability by someone, And it takes time, lots of time, and patience by a capable artist. The truth is that making a masterpiece, a work of art out of any raw material, brings challenges. The challenges are too big for me, so I have never painted a masterpiece. Uh, But the challenges are big enough for anybody who does it. You've got to decide what to do. You've got to decide what steps to take, pick the right materials, learn to blend the colors, practice, and all sorts of things that go into uh, uh, defeating those challenges. So we know that an artist has many challenges to his ability. What about God? So actually, verses 1 to 9... Is a summary of the challenges that God, the author, the artist, the author, the, the the artisan faces, and what He's done about it. So I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter two there's a Bible in front of you. if you don't have it because I'm going to go through verse by verse so it sure would be better if you're following and then I'd love it if you go home and look at it again because I'm going to do it fast so there's so much I'm missing I'm going to take high points that, that lead into the theme that we have but uh, th- this is such a rich passage that uh, I just love it for you to watch it uh, well, yeah watch it go by <laughs> the Bible in front of you in the, in the chair in front of you First off, there's God's challenge. It's not just the difficulty, but the hopelessness of what he has to work with. I don't know if you ever thought about that or not, how hopeless you are and I am. (laughs) Keep in mind, after God created his creation and then created man, he said, it is very good. And God designed man to procreate and pass on the wonderful gifts and abilities that he had given the genetic, physical, psychological, whatever. But something came in to flaw the process. And it lead led to a statement or leads to a statement like we have in verse one. Verse one. As for you, he's talking to the Christians at <coughs> Ephesus, you were dead. in your your transgressions and sins. And you know, that describes everyone on earth. The very ordinary John or George or Marge or Mary or whoever, the ones we feel ourselves to be. Or the brilliant scientist or gifted athlete or the beautiful film star. As well as the hopelessly and helplessly addicted street person. WE MAY HAVE INHERITED A WONDERFUL COMBINATION OF GENES OR A BAD MIX WE MAY HAVE HAD AMAZING PARENTS OR PARENTS WHO ARE TOTALLY NEGLIGENT WE'RE ALL SINNERS WE ALL fail TO LIVE UP TO WHAT WE KNOW AND THE BIBLE STATES CLEARLY IN A NUMBER OF PLACES FOR ALL HAVE SINNED WE ALL REBEL WE ALL GO OUR OWN WAY and as a result, we suffer. No exceptions, none. Verse 2, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. You see, as if our bent to sinning was not enough, we're under alien influence. People around us and we ourselves Follow the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Satan's active and tricky and deceitful. That means he lies and knows how to do it convincingly. Whether we fully realize it or not, there's a spiritual battle going on. And the ruler of the kingdom of the air wants you and me to live in disobedience and self-destruction. One of the most powerful illustrations of this, in my opinion, and I've shared this with you before, but I remind you, it's a modern drug use. Now, it isn't just drug use, there's always been drug and alcohol and various kinds of problems, men, you know, wrestling with that or finding that a way to take care of their trouble. But we have an epidemic around the world, as I understand it. Um, Millions of people destroying their brains and their bodies and sometimes killing themselves for a high that's temporary Where does such insanity come from? We just read where it came from or comes from it's from satan himself and he keeps that lie before us and of course Addiction makes you addicted Verse 3 all of us also lived among them at one time. So he's talking to the Christians, I'm talking to you, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. We are compelled from inside by selfishness, the selfishness that insists on gratifying our own cravings, the selfishness that insists on putting ourselves first. And so all selfishness leads to suffering So our Creator God the artisan who creates masterpieces really has a challenge and his challenge is me Like Steve often says we are so easily captivated by bright and shining objects <laughs> the objects of our culture and so we Wrestle with the influence of the world around us the influence of the ruler of the kingdom of the air and my own selfishness Pretty hopeless these all contribute to the to my situation and it's a mess How can he produce any masterpiece out of that? At verse 4 there's an important transition It's a but it's a big but It introduces an amazing solution. Now, most of you, all of you maybe, have heard this solution over and over, and you can tune it out and glaze over. But try to look at it with fresh eyes. God has a solution, and it's based on himself and his ability. It's not based on our ability to change ourselves or to change each other or to change the people around us. It's not even based on getting help from an expert. Verse 4, but because of his great love for us, that's a start. Great love, it says, not just love. God loved us, his hopelessly hurting and broken creatures. Just the way we were, he loves us just the way we are. There's so many declarations of God's love in the Bible. Where do you start? You know, the familiar ones, for God to so love the world. This is love, not that we love God, but he loved us. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 4 goes on, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy... Mercy is the next building block that he uses. It's not just that he has mercy, which would be perfectly amazing for a great and awesome creator like we know him to, to be. He's rich in mercy. If anyone's sitting here doubting whether he can be merciful to you, the Bible clearly says he's rich in mercy. That means he has a deep compassion for the people of the world to, as the scripture says, bring them from darkness to light. THAT'S WHAT HE WANTS, THAT'S WHAT HIS COMPASSION IS FOR, THAT'S WHAT HIS MERCY IS FOR. VERSE 5, GOD WHO IS RICH IN MERCY MADE US ALIVE IN CHRIST EVEN WHEN WE WERE DEAD IN TRANSGRESSIONS. IT IS BY GRACE YOU HAVE BEEN SAVED. GRACE MEANS GOD'S UNMERITED FAVOR, IT MEANS IT'S A FREE GIFT. SO GOD MADE US ALIVE BY GRACE, as A FREE GIFT. GOD GIVES US NEW FUTURE BY GRACE, IT'S A FREE GIFT. GOD GIVES US NEW LIFE BY GRACE. IT'S A GIFT. WHY DOES HE DO ALL THIS? WELL, HERE'S HIS GOAL. HERE'S WHERE GOD, THE ARTISAN, GOD, THE CREATOR, COMES IN. HAVING MADE US ALIVE IN CHRIST, VERSE 5, THAT'S GIVEN NEW LIFE, BEING BORN AGAIN. WE READ IN VERSE 6, AND GOD RAISED US UP WITH CHRIST AND SEATED US WITH HIM IN HEAVENLY REALMS IN CHRIST JESUS. HE SAVED US, RAISED US UP, AND SEATED US IN ORDER TO DISPLAY HIS WORKMANSHIP, TO DISPLAY WHAT HE COULD DO WITH THE RAW MATERIALS. GOD IS SO SURE OF THE PROCESS AND THE ULTIMATE RESULT THAT HE'S ALREADY SEATED US WITH CHRIST. NOW, HOW IS THAT POSSIBLE? I'M STILL HERE ON EARTH GOING THROUGH ALL THE STRUGGLES OF LIVING. Maybe the best analogy, the best one I could think of anyway, would be to think of a family picture gallery in uh, Buckingham Palace. I don't know if they have it. I presume they do. We have one in our palace (laughs) of all our kids and and grandkids. Um, You're only in that gallery if you're part of the royal family. Now, Kate, a commoner, married William and became part of the royal family a number of years ago. Now, we knew she would be part of the family way before the marriage. When he asked her to marry him, and she agreed to to marry him, and they were officially engaged, we knew that was going to happen. Now, I don't know if this happened or not, but if they had put her picture on the wall with the rest of the royal family, even though the wedding had not actually taken place and she's still a commoner, once a picture went up, she became seated with them she was fully accepted her place is secure and god says our picture is already in the gallery we're seated with him and every everyone else in the family why did he do this verse 7 in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in jesus christ Salvation and new life And notice the emphasis here is on the coming ages. This is important That's when we'll really see the incomparable riches of his grace that we can't really see that good now See this isn't just about this life. It isn't just about accepting Christ And now we have a good life and now he answers all our prayers and now everything goes well It didn't go before if the benefits of following Christ were only in this life. God would not be fair God would not be fair to give one person a brilliant mind and another a disability, than from to keep them from making it through a book. God would not be fair to give one a body that w- could do things that entertain and earn millions, and another be a klutz or even an invalid. In fact, I was thinking about it. It isn't fair that uh, Trevor Linden, who probably a lot of us look up to, um, could be made with the talents to be a hockey star. I love hockey maybe just as much as he did. I don't know when I was a kid But I contracted polio and became handicapped so I couldn't even skate Is that fair? It isn't God wouldn't be fair to give one a healthy body that could live pain-free for 90 years And another body plagued by disease and pain and sickness But see his work isn't just about this life. He plans to showcase his work in the coming ages of eternity And His work is you his work is me If his work is you if you will let him his work is me if I trust him with it If I trust him with my life if I trust him with me verse 8 for it is by grace you have been saved through faith This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God God starts a process of making this masterpiece by offering salvation from the old way of life and from the power of Satan Look at the descriptive words it's by grace. Well, that's not me. That's God. That's God's work through faith Well now that's calling on me. That's our necessary response. It's not a work. It's a trust I'm called to trust my life to him It's a gift of God. Well, that's God's work again In fact, if you look all over it God offers to do everything except he calls me to faith you and I have to respond and accept it and say yes to Jesus Or we turn away, which means we reject it. He'll not force a gift on anyone. Verse 9, he says, Not by works, so that no one can boast. It's not based on anything that could lead to human competition, to lead to me feeling I'm better than you, or you feeling that you're better than anybody else. So listen to the 8 and 9 again. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. That's the gospel. It's not based on being a superior human specimen because of superior combination of genes. It's not based on having had perfect parents in a wonderful environment. It's not based on having the best teachers and a great education. It's not even based on working hard and pulling oneself up by his bootstraps. Not anything like this. Why? Because we so easily get proud and take credit for things that have very little to do with us. Then comes that wonderful verse that we started with and now finish with. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do God's good works. From God's point of view, you are an object of value. You are worth redeeming and you are worth working with. So I'd like to show a final picture, at least one that's um, completed in this series of paintings that are redemption paintings. And in fact, I'll show you another one that, uh, this is where it started, something like this paper that Gail laid across her table and did her painting on and then cleaned her brush and played with colors and all that. So when it was all done at some point she'd, instead of throwing it away, I mean it's just paper. That's what these are. Paper or cardboard. Uh, Take a something like this and, you know, look around to see what might work as a picture and uh, go from there. That's the redeeming work of an artist who's not just painting the masterpiece straight off, but illustrating for us what we really are. Torn, rejects, needing redemption. No matter what kind of a start you had, no matter what kind of a life you've experienced until now no matter how abused and torn you may feel You can truthfully and say uh, truthfully and sincerely say based on God's Word. I Am an object of value And not only that I am a work in process Designed to fill a pr- specific purpose And he's already planned it and it's unique Because he works around my handicaps and my inabilities. The things that discourage me and make me feel like I'm worthless. And that's the start of discipleship. My part, faith, faith to put myself in God's care. Faith to put myself under the cross. Faith to repent of my sin Maybe faith to repent of something like anger About the experiences of life that I've had to go through that nobody else had around me that I don't think anybody else has to To repent against the anger against the father who abandoned you to repent against the anger against parents who abused you or look the other way when someone else did Faith to repent of the anger against a husband or wife who divorced you and left you for another. Faith to obey him and follow him as a disciple. God has done all the work through Christ dying on the cross for us. So there are just two questions that I'd conclude with. Do you know the Lord as your personal Savior? Have you repented of your sin and turned to him? If you sense God speaking to you and you really need to do this I invite you to come to the front after the service and I'd be glad to pray with you There'd be others who would be as well Second question are you daily putting Submitting to the process putting faith in the process Putting faith in the creator of masterpieces Or are you angry and bitter and defeated because of the unfairness of your life, the unfairness of your past? I invite you to come forward as well. I'd love to pray with you. It'd be a privilege to pray with you. We're all broken. We all have to deal with the kinds of things that we're disappointed with and feel angry about. And we all need to help each other as we... Walk into discipleship, and and by faith put ourselves in the hands of God. The benediction that uh, was given to me. For Doing the benediction which sometimes I use and sometimes I pick another one when I do the benediction for Steve This one's from 2nd Timothy 418 says the Lord will rescue us from every evil attack And will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom to him be glory forever and ever So I just share it as a prayer May the Lord rescue us May the Lord rescue you from every evil attack and bring you safely to the heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. believe everything you say.